are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. Got a pretty pointed question to open my remarks today. Who gets the final say at your house? (laughs) Who gets the final say? Somebody has to get the final say. I would like to think that I get the final say, but it seems that everyone in our house wants the final say. Live with a beautiful wife and three adorable daughters who all know better than me, pretty much on every subject. (laughs) Who gets the final say? Because the person with the final say really should be the person who understands the most about a given situation, or is most responsible for the outcome of the situation. So I want to speak very simply today on the subject, the final say. Let me get to my point this morning. God wants the final say in our lives. The real power of God's work is known when he can have the final say, and I should say the first say, that God gets first place in our lives. Let me say it this way, God wants to control our lives. Doesn't that make you bristle a little bit? Mm, That doesn't sit too well. But God wants the final say. And I think God wants the final say because God knows best. Some people want the final say because they just want to be in charge. Ever been in an environment when someone is trying to have the final say, but they don't know what they're doing or talking about? That's what our pastoral team meetings feel like every week when I try to be in charge and I know nothing what's going on. But thankfully, God knows best. And God wants the final say... Because God knows the end from the beginning. Scripture tells us he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. And as I've said before, he knows us best and he loves us the most. And so he wants the final say. God wants the final say not because of what he wants to control, But I submit today that he wants the final say because 
of what he wants to give. It's like when you're going to give somebody a surprise birthday party. Excuse me. You know what's going to happen. So you try to set up the scenario and you try to lead them to a place where you know they're going to be celebrated, where they're going to receive some gifts, and it's going to be a great time. But how often when you're in charge of trying to get somebody where they're supposed to be when it's a surprise to them, they fight you. They get frustrated because that, that's not what we normally do. That's not, I, I don't want to go there. But you, you keep trying to help them get there because you know the end. You know if you can get them there, they're going to be happy. It's going to be a great party. And God wants the final say, not because he wants to just control us. But I believe he wants the final say because of what he wants to ultimately give us. Because God has great plans for us. We know the passage, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. God wants the final say because God has something great in store for our lives. John 14, 1, let, your, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or dwellings or rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. God wants the final say because he's prepared something for us. I would submit that it's possible. It's possible for God not to get the final say in our life. Yes, God will get the final say in eternity. He will ultimately have a people that are surrendered to him. However, the question we have to consider is, will we experience all that God desires in eternity? I don't know about you, but I want to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I want to know what he has for me. I believe that God has something special for us, and I want to give God the final say in my life. And I feel compelled today to help us consider how God can get the final say in our lives. I want to give you three simple steps to experience this reality. The first step to realizing and letting God have the final say is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We must put our faith in Jesus Christ. We have to surrender our lives to him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is that willingness to trust the unseen God and to trust him even though the path may be unknown. Faith is that 
necessary experience where you put your confidence in a God who you don't see and sometimes in a God who you might not even know is really working behind the scenes. Faith is important. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And in order for God to get the final say, we have to acknowledge him as God. You've got to acknowledge him as God. You have to believe in his existence, and you have to believe in his reward. The second step, I believe, to letting God have the final say and to experiencing all that God has for you is to simply obey his word, to do what he asks you to do, to say yes to his way. See, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ was experienced because of the obedience of Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The reason resurrection power was possible was because Jesus was obedient to the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." The resurrection of Jesus was the nail in the coffin for sin. And it was God's way of nailing death and saying that death doesn't get the final say, but God gets the final say. You see, the enemy tried to stop the plan of God. The enemy pushed up against the plan of God. But obedience allowed God's plan to be fulfilled. And so in verses 8 and 9 of Philippians chapter 2, Paul said that Jesus humbled himself and was obedient all the way to death, even the death of the cross. The cross, that ultimate symbol of shame and defeat and humiliation. That form of capital punishment that stripped away the dignity of a person. In Jesus' time, the cross would have been awful. It would have been unimaginable. And every Roman rule knew, everyone knew that Caesar had the last say. Caesar had the final say. And the cross represented that final say. And Jesus was obedient to that cross. But what Paul is saying here in Philippians chapter 2 is that Caesar may have thought he had the final say by putting Jesus on the cross, but we know that he was wrong. Jesus may have died 
But what do we know? He didn't stay there. His obedience allowed him to experience resurrection. And so our God, the God of the universe, is the kind of God that can take a symbol of uh, a death, a symbol that represents the, the despair of humanity, and he can take that, he, and he can say, I can change what that symbol means. And that symbol today doesn't represent something of death or the final say of Caesar. No, that symbol today represents the power of God to salvation. It rep- Represents the power of God for us to find mercy and grace because we realize that Jesus had the final say. God wants to have the final say in our life. God wants to have the final say, but it requires our obedience to the gospel. And just as the power of the resurrection was experienced because of the obedience of Jesus Christ, we experience the power of resurrection by our obedience to the word of God. Because obedience is still powerful. Obedience is still powerful. I'm not trying to preach today some fancy new way of serving God. I'm kind of going back to the root of really how do we experience all that God has for us. It's really simple. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, that we simply have our faith in Jesus Christ and we obey his word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Samuel would say to King Saul, when King Saul was trying to figure out a way to compromise and to figure out a way to kind of circumvent what God really wanted in his life. And, and God told him, I don't want you to kill, or I want you to make sure you eliminate all the enemies in your life. I want you to make sure that you kill all the, the animals, all, all the enemies of the people. I want you to make sure you kill the king. But what did Samuel do? Samuel kept the king alive. And God said, no, you've missed it. To obey is better than sacrifice. Obedience is not always the the thing that really creates a lot of excitement in our life. It's kind of a simple, boring thing to talk about, but it's the real power of God in our life when we simply obey his word. How much better would life be if children obeyed their parents? Write that down, Emma. Audrey, go ahead and write that down. That's good stuff. We'll talk about that later today. How much better would it be If children obey their parents, 
It's kind of simple, isn't it? There's something about the human nature. Jason is a sweet little boy for just a little while. And at some point, he decides, he's going to decide that his way is better than your way. Even though you're trying to feed him, you're trying to protect him, you're keeping him from harm, his way is better than your way. We know it's real simple. Obedience just works. It just helps. How much better would society be if people just obeyed the law? We've probably got some laws that could be changed. Some speeding areas that probably are some speed limits that could probably be adjusted around here. But how much better would society be if people just obeyed? How much better would our lives be relationally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually if we just obeyed the word of God? Obedience is the answer to most issues in our life. Simply obeying what you know to do. I try not to get too discouraged as a pastor. I guess I've preached long enough to know that people are going to do what they want to do. But I do wonder the predicaments that people get in. All right, I'm I'm off my notes, and I apologize about whatever's going to be said in the next few minutes. But I wonder. It crosses my mind. I repent. But it crosses my mind when people go through things. And I think, we preached about that. I stood up here for weeks on Wednesday night and tried to help us. Right? You've heard a lot of sermons in your lifetime. You've heard a lot of teaching in your lifetime. And I don't want to oversimplify. We do go through things and things happen and I'm glad to try to help in any way I can. So let me bring it back back in. Because I'm the same way. I get tripped up over things that I've heard. But the issue isn't the word. The issue is that I'm just not obeying what I know to do. And it's, it's, I know it sounds real simple, but it's really powerful. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that you obey the word of God. We put our faith in God, but then we obey the gospel. We obey the word of God. And I ask you today, have you obeyed the gospel? You're looking for a fix in your life. You're looking for deliverance in your life. Have you obeyed the gospel? 
Romans chapter 10, 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, it said. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? Have you repented of your sins? Have you repented? Have you turned from your sin? Have you forsaken your sin? The power of God is found in obedience to his word. And he tells us to repent of our sins, to turn from our sins. Have you obeyed the command to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness or remission of your sins? Have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life? Are you endeavoring to live a holy life? Are you obeying the word of God as it pertains to your conduct? Are you obeying the word of God? Because to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. Let me, let me say this today to these great young people that are here. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey the word of God now in your life. I will say, not with, I'm saying it with sensitivity, but I want to say it clearly. To obey the word of God now in your life is better than to have a great testimony of God pulling you out of all kinds of addictions and mess in your life. And I wish somebody would say amen. You don't have to walk down that road. Now, people do. We've all been there. But to obey is better than sacrifice. So I want God to have the final say in my life. So I put my faith in him and I obey his word. Finally, I trust his plan. The last step to seeing God have the final say is when I trust his plan. I might not understand the path. I I, I might not always understand his direction. I might not always understand what I have to go through. But when I my faith is in him and him as a rewarder and I obey his word, I have nothing left but to trust his plan. My confidence rests in the idea that God knows best. And I want God to have the final say. It was the three Hebrew boys who were brought before the king and they were getting ready to be cast into a burning fire. And Daniel chapter three says that the king called him and he began to tell them to bow down and worship his gods. And they, they, they were kind of being forced to do that or they're going to get thrown in a fiery furnace. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. What were they saying? They're saying, we're not going to debate this. This is no argument. If you're going to do what you're going to do, do it. 
We're, we're not going to try to create a compromise here. We understand what our God wants us to do. And so they said, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I, I just realized today that they just came to the point that they were just going to trust God. They were going to trust God with his plan. Regardless of which way it went, regardless of, of how it turned out, they could rest on the confidence that they had been obedient to the word of God and they were going to trust his plan. I'm not sure I always understand God's plan. Not even sure I always like God's plan. I don't like everything that has happened in my life. I don't like everything that's happened in your life. But I am confident that if I continue to put my faith in him, if I continue to obey him, I can trust his plan because he is preparing something better for me. Oh, hallelujah. I want God to have the final say in my life. In July of 2010, Dr. David Fajenbaum was in his third year of medical school when he got so sick that he had to be hospitalized for five months. Doctors told him his liver, kidneys, and other organs were shutting down. At 25 years old, this doctor was diagnosed with Castleman disease, a disorder and condition that acts like a cross between cancer and an autoimmune disorder. According to the National Organization for Rare Disorders, there are about 5,000 people diagnosed with Castleman disease in the U.S. each year, making it roughly as common as Lou Gehrig's disease, also known as ALS. People who have Castleman disease can experience such things as flu-like symptoms, abdominal pain to the complete failure of multi, multiple organ systems. When this doctor was diagnosed... With Castleman disease, there was only one drug that was approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And when he tried it, he relapsed, and he therefore had no therapy options. He said, when I relapsed on the only drug in development, my doctor told me that there was nothing coming down the pipeline, and there was no promising leads. And that's when I promised my dad, my sisters, and my now wife that I would dedicate the rest of my life, however long that may be, to trying to cure this disease. In a little more than three years, this doctor relapsed four times, nearly missing death each time. Yet with the help of chemotherapy, it kept his disease at bay. and He was able to finish medical school and to propose to his college sweetheart. But instead of starting a residency, he founded an organization called Castleman Disease Collaborative Network to, quote unquote, drive forward research internationally, but also to begin conducting laboratory work on the disease. With experts collaborating together from around the globe and a relatively limited amount of funding, 
This doctor and his organization identified the first novel drug target in 25 years. That drug target that we identified, he said, I actually identified in my lab using my own samples. He said, I started myself on this drug about five and a half years ago, and I've been in remission ever since. This doctor found the cure for a disease that he had experienced. And like this doctor, Jesus Christ knows our weakness. He knows our frailty. He knows our sickness because he was us. The great God of the universe who created us robed himself in a fleshly, sin-sick body and willingly took on the disease of sin. And like this doctor, his interaction with sin didn't become the final story. He used sin to defeat sin. And through the flesh of humanity became the cure for all our sins. That's why Peter would write, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously." who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. When I consider the question, Will I let Jesus have the final say in my life? I want to say with a resounding yes. I want Jesus to have the final say in my life. I want God to have the final say in my life because he knows me best and he loves me the most and he has great things planned for us. So I'm reminded of this passage in Proverbs as I close. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. And in all your ways, obey him, acknowledge him, and he will direct your has. I want God to have the final say in my life. Would you stand this morning? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. For some of you that might Be where you need to begin today. Trust 
in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own ways, but lean on Him today. And in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Are there ways in your life that you haven't let God have reign in? Are there areas of your life that God doesn't get the final say? I think we would all say, God, I want you to direct my steps. God, I I want you to lead me to heaven. I want you to lead me to great things in you. God, I... I want you to lead my life, but are we willing to acknowledge Him in all our ways? I hope you will, because it'll be worth it. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Do what you've got to do to obey His Word. And trust His plan. I feel for some today, as I can say that I've experienced it in a small degree, but where you've obeyed and you've obeyed, but yet the circumstances don't quite add up to what you think they should be. But for some of you, you're obeying the Lord. And you're still wrestling, you're facing things. I'm telling you today, it's okay. Stay put. Don't grab your plans and say, well, that's not working. So I'll figure out another way. No, trust in the Lord. Trust His plan. He will direct your steps. When I go through dark times... I want Jesus to have the final say. When I go through good times, I want Jesus to have the final say. He knows our frame. I want to pray for you before I invite you today to the altar. Lord, God, we look to you today. God, you are a great God. You're an amazing Savior. One who died on the cross for our sins. You died to eradicate the consequence of sin. You died to deal with the shame of sin. And Lord, I'm praying today, I'm praying today that somebody would put their trust in you for their salvation. They would surrender to you. They would repent of their sins. They would desire to turn from their sins. God, if there's somebody here today who has not been water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray today they would obey your word. God, I pray for those who need the baptism of your spirit, Lord. They need the empowering work of the Holy Spirit in their life with evidence that comes with speaking in other tongues. I'm praying today 
God, that we would allow you to have the final say. God, for those, God, who maybe are struggling obeying your word, they've experienced a new birth, but they're struggling to mature in Christ. I pray, God, that there would be a courage in them to obey your word. Whatever they have to give up, whatever they have to release, Lord, to obey your word, I pray they would be willing to do it. God, you don't want to just be a controlling God for the sake of controlling us, but you want to have control and reign in our life because you know our frame, you know what you have planned for us, and you don't want us to miss out on one small detail of your glory or your power. Oh God, I pray, I pray you would have free reign in this place. I pray this congregation today would bow their hearts afresh to you. They would bow their hearts to you because your name is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Every tongue confess that you are Lord. Oh, hallelujah. You want to do a great work today. And so God, we humble ourselves before you. We trust your plan. We trust your work. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.